Welcome back to Topless Government. I'm the host, Crystal Ellerby. And guess what? I'm going to talk about a subject that y'all should be very, very familiar with because you probably have experienced it if you are over the age of 18. Yes, let's get into it. We are going to talk about federal jury duty service. My citizen legislators, I'm going um, to talk to you about what I recently experienced for the very, for the very first time in my adult life. And I just got to show you this. So in January, I received the following. Um, a letter. It was a jury summons from the U.S. District Court of the District of Columbia. So I got this with the instructions on, I had to fill out a questionnaire. So here's the questionnaire, but I decided to fill it out online. And my citizen legislators, I was not a happy camper. I'm not gonna lie. So I received a letter and guess what um, the date of my service was from beginning to end. February 23rd, I'm sorry, February 24th, 2023 to March 10th, 2023. So at five o'clock on February 23rd, I had to call in to see whether or not I had to report into the U.S. District Court of the District of Columbia. Now, called in February 23rd, I did not have to report in on February 24th. Called in February 24th to see if I had to, you know, to come in the following week. Nope. This went on for six blissful days until one Friday night, I call and they say, you have to report to the U.S. District Court of the District of Columbia at 8 a.m. on March 6th, 2023. Now, I'm not going to lie to you, my citizen legislators. I was not happy about receiving this jury summons. Now, mind you, um, I, I've, I've received previously, you know, jury summons before, you know, when I lived um, in Prince George's County, um, when I lived in Chicago, when I lived in New Orleans. And I, you know, and even when I lived in D.C., I got jury summons, but I was never impaneled for a jury, for a trial. And I certainly was not ever summoned for federal jury service like this time around. So yeah. So I can, you know, you're required to complete the, uh, the juror qualification questionnaire and you have to return it within five days of receipt. I completed it online, like I said, and you know what? So Monday morning, March 6th, so I had made the decision. I had already ironed my suit like days ago, just in case. And so I wore the most conservative charcoal black suit with this burgundy blouse. And I had on my patent leather heels because I was like, I'm gonna look conservative. I'm like, 
and they they not gonna pick me for this trial. They not gonna pick me. So I go down to the U.S. District Court of the District of Columbia uh, at the E. Barrett Pettyman Courthouse on the fourth floor in room 4214. That's the jury room. That's the jury office. Now, the Prettyman Courthouse is at 333 Constitution Avenue Northwest. And it's not that far from my house because I live on Capitol Hill and it's not far from my office. But I digress. Get there, stand in line. And, you know, mind you, they, they, they tell you, you know, you, you got to be there on time. And there was a long line. I mean, a long line. And, you know, I was standing in line. And I finally got upstairs, checked in with the with the clerk and then I sat down and they said bring plenty to read and I had my laptop so I was like all right I'm I'm gonna get some work done now I'm gonna go into what is federal jury service and there's a great website from the US courts from the United States courts and you know it's I I it's on my it's in my show notes um, but I want to talk about this. So what is federal jury service? U.S. citizens 18 years older, 18 years old and older may qualify to serve in the federal courts on a jury. The Jury Selection and Service Act establishes the process for selecting jurors and outlines qualifications a person must meet to serve on a federal jury. Now, now, I didn't know this until I got the summons and I had my, you know, participant number, my juror number, and then I learned about e-juror. So there's a, e, there's a national e-juror program. And the national e-juror program gives potential jurors the option of responding to their jury qualification questionnaire or summons online through the website of their local court that summoned citizens to jury duty. So I opted to do that because I, I didn't want to fill it out that I had to mail it, and, eh, you know, because they said it had to be back within five days of receipt and I ain't trying to mess with the federal government. So let's go into jury selection because, yeah. So March 6th, you know, I like I said, I get into the jury lounge and they're calling out, you know, juror um, numbers. And I sit there and I'm like, oh, great. Now, my juror number was 02-0924. So when the clerk called off the roll, I was like, oh, thank you. She didn't call my number. I was like, oh, great. I'm like, I, I might get out of this. Now, mind you, I wasn't thinking if they if they didn't call me that day, I still had, I could go home. They would dismiss me, but I still had to call at five o'clock every weekday, every weeknight to see if I had to report in. Now, remember, it's 10 days. 
from February 24th to March 10th. Had to call in the first night, February 23rd, and the last night you call in, Feb um, March 9th. So, okay. Sitting in the, in the jury lounge, the jury clerk comes out. All the rest of us that are in the lounge, she says, okay, can y'all just get up, please? We're going to go into a courtroom. So then they separate us into three lines. And um, according to our jury numbers. And we go into the courtroom. And I was like, oh, God. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'm sitting down and I'm just like, okay. I'm like, you know, the judge is there. Um, the defense, the defendant, and then, you know, the government prosecutors from the Department of Justice. So the judge just tells us a little bit about, you know, the trial. She makes it clear to us that it's a criminal case and they start the process of juror selection. So each district court randomly selects citizens' names from lists of registered voters and people with driver's license who live in that district. The people are randomly selected, complete a questionnaire. Yep, you know, I completed a questionnaire to determine if they are qualified to serve on a jury. Those qualified are randomly chosen to be summoned to appear for jury duty. This selection process helps to make sure that jurors represent a cross section of the community without regard to race, gender, national origin, age, or political affiliation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I had to go through that. I had to go through that. Because after you fill out the questionnaire, they're like, oh, okay, well, she's qualified. We're going to bring her in. Yeah. March 6th, 8 a.m. Had to be there. All right. So what happens when you go from the jury pool to the jury box. And I'm not gonna lie to you. That was scary for me because that was about to happen when all of us were in that courtroom and we were sitting there. And that's when the process started. And gotta tell you, I'm like, all right, okay. I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there. And here's the thing. Being summoned for jury duty doesn't guarantee that you, that you will actually serve on the jury. And, you know, that was going, I mean, I, my, that was my mindset because that's happened to me before. I've been summoned, but I was never, I wasn't chosen to be on, in panel for a trial. But when a, uh, when a jury is needed for a trial, the group of qualified jurors are taken to a courtroom where the trial will take place. And that's what happened to me. The judge and the attorneys then asked the potential jurors questions to determine their suitability to serve on a jury, a process called Vaudeir. Yeah, Vaudeir. The purpose of Vaudeir is to exclude from the jury people who may not be able to decide the case fairly. Members of the panel who know any person involved in the case, who have information about the case, 
or who may have strong prejudices about the people or issues involved in the case typically will be excused by the judge. The attorneys also may exclude a certain number of jurors without giving a reason. All right, let's get into this. Vordaire, oh my God, it took forever. It took forever. We got into that courtroom right before lunch. And so each juror, once their juror number was called, had to go up, sit in the witness stand, and be questioned by the judge and the attorneys. Now, because we are just getting out of the pandemic, but for me, we still are in the pandemic. What I experienced during Vordaire was the following. They had these phones. It was sort of like intercoms and you had to press a button in order to talk. So the judge had one, I had one, and the attorneys for the defense and the prosecution had them too. So when it was my turn um, to go up, they asked me, um, you know, how many years have you lived in DC? And I said, oh, you know, over 20. Have you ever served on the jury? No. What do you do for a living? I was like, oh, I'm a lobbyist. And then um, those that's what the judge asked me. And then the judge says, well, does the defense have any questions? Well, does the government have any questions? No, Your Honor. Does the defense have any questions? Yes, Your Honor. He was like, so what exactly do you do? And I said, well, I advocate on Capitol Hill um, and in um, this current administration. He says, you know, do you have any, uh, are you involved in any healthcare? And I was like, yeah. I said, you know, I used to represent um, a client, um, Verily Life Science, and, you know, I would advocate on their behalf on the Hill and with the current administration, with, with the administration. And then the defense attorney goes, well, which administration? And I was like, well, this administration. And then I went and sat down. So this went on for hours because there were a lot of us in that room. I mean, there was a lot of us in that courtroom. And I just sat there and I was like, you know how you just, you start talking to God and Jesus when you want to get out of something? Well, that's what I was doing. I was bargaining with God and Jesus because I was like, please, please. I go, I know this is my civic duty. I go, but this is not the best time for me because there's just so much going on at work. You know, I got, you know, deadlines I got to meet for appropriation requests and da, 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 da. And I just wasn't having it. So they they finished everybody. And, and then the dreaded moment came. They called our jury numbers and then they called mine. You're not going to believe this. I got up and I, when they called my number, all I said was, fuck. I was, I, I was like, I was just like not having it. So I get up and um, I, I'm sitting, I'm the 14th juror. And so we sit in the jury box and they go back and voir dire is still going on. The, you know, the government and the defense are presenting their challenges and they go back and forth, switching jurors out the jury box. This goes on for several rounds. And then they were like, okay, 
the 14 of you are now in panel as a jury for this trial. We believe that this trial, we will have the evidence to you by next week. I'm like, oh gosh. I'm like, no, please don't. I'm like, no, no, no. And the judge is telling us, you know, I'm sorry. I know that that is an inconvenience for you, but this is very, very important. You know, the United States, we do, you know, we allow a jury of your peers. This is important. I've been on a jury and I'm sitting there and I'm like, no, you haven't. I'm like, you're just saying that. But I was like, look, I was just like, I wasn't having it. I was just acting like a petulant child. I, I kid you not. I was like, okay. And then they, you know, they started opening statements. Oh God. But I, okay. But I want to talk about the types of cases that are heard by juries. There are two types of judicial proceedings in federal courts that use juries. Criminal trial. An individual is accused of committing a crime that is considered against society as a whole. 12 people and an alternate make up a criminal jury. A unanimous decision must be reached before a defendant is found quote unquote guilty. The government must prove the crime was committed quote unquote beyond a reasonable doubt. Guilty pleas and plea negotiations reduce the need for juries in criminal cases. The second type of judicial procedure is a civil trial. Litigants seek remedies for private wrongs that don't necessarily have a broader social impact. At least six people make up a civil trial. The jury must come to unanimous decision unless specified otherwise. The standard of proof is a quote unquote preponderance of the evidence or quote unquote more true than not. Settlement negotiations reduce the need for juries in civil cases. So let me just tell you about my experience from March 6th to March 10th. It was the US versus Gooding. A physician was indicted back in 2019 for 11 counts of Medicare fraud. I, yeah, I, I, I was like, you gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. So we were given four tablets and um, we had to write notes as, you know, we were listening to um, direct testimony, um, expert testimony. And I got to tell you, okay, the first day I fell asleep. And luckily, the juror number seven, uh, who was sitting in front of me, and juror number six, who was sitting next to her, juror number six heard me snoring. So juror number seven tapped me on my knee. And I woke up and I was like, okay. And I, I, I just, I was like, all right, all right. I mean, it's just listening to all that testimony and then having to take notes and retain all that information and still keeping an open mind, you know, being impartial until you get all the evidence and then instructions from the judge. 
uh, in order to deliberate. Now, mind you, I was still thinking, I'm juror number 14. I'm probably going to be the alternate. Please let me be the alternate. But then I thought about it. I was like, well, shit. That means I still have to be here for the entire trial and that I won't find out who the alternate is until we get to the point where, you know, the government and the defense have concluded their closing arguments and rebuttals. So all of us had to pay attention. And I, look, all I'm going to tell you is this, this trial, it was, we had to learn, listen to stuff that I had never heard before. I mean, I knew about Medicare. I, I mean, I, I knew about Medicare. Um, and it just, I don't know. It just, I, I, I'm going to put it to you this way as well. The makeup of the jury. So there was one black man, one, no, two black men, one um Asian, no, two, and one Latina, Latina, one Asian, no, two Asian. Um, then there were two, uh, two white women. So the rest of us were black women. They tried to stack the jury because they thought that as women, we were going to be lenient and be sympathetic to the defense. Yeah, okay. I'm like, mm-hmm, yeah, okay. And also, I'm going to be honest, I didn't really like the defense attorney, I thought he was swarmy. Um, I thought he just tried to be a little too, I don't know, um, just try to get a little too friendly in his remarks to us. And some of the stuff that he was saying, he was using ignorance as a defense, ignorance of the law as a defense. And I was like, uh-uh. He was using, he inferred some racial overtones he inferred it. And I just was like, yeah, whatever. Um, but, at, you know, at a couple of times, the judge who was appointed by Barack Obama and um, her dad was in the courtroom one day. And, and that was that was really touching and sweet to see. I'm not going to give you her name. But and I'm not going to name any of the the jurors. I'm just going to juror numbers for their privacy. You know, but I did tell him that I had a podcast, Topless Government. But anyway, I digress. So we're going through all this. We're going through all this. And just, you know, every day we're just looking at exhibits after exhibits after exhibits. And then, you know, testimony after testimony. And like I was about to tell you, the judge was getting a little perturbed because this stuff was just going on far too long. The government, you know, the burden of truth, uh, of proof was on the government and they were being really, really repetitive. And I know why they were being repetitive because they wanted to show us a pattern and they wanted us to follow that train of the pattern of this physician. And I get it. But after a while, I was like, you beating the dead horse, move on. And I think the judge just got to the point, you know, they, she said, no, we need to talk. Now, mind you, we had a morning break. We had, um, they provided us with breakfast every morning, continental breakfast. <clears throat> um, then we would go to lunch. 
And sometimes the lunch would be like a, you know, like an hour and a half or 45 minutes, be straight up hour. And then we would have an afternoon break. And then we would break like around four o'clock, 4.30, sometimes five o'clock. So again, this, this goes on for a week, a week. So all of us are still thinking, you know, they're going to give us the evidence the week after next. But then they sped, the, the, the judge sped it up. She's like, oh, no. She's like, I'm hoping to get all the evidence to you by Thursday. And I was like, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And she was a woman of her word. She was. And so we actually, we got all the evidence. Um, but then they had to do closing arguments that Friday. So the government went first, then the defense went, and then the government did a rebuttal. And then the judge gave us her instructions. And oh my God, the instructions were like close to 30 pages. And we had to sit there and we had to listen to her because we had to follow her instructions. Because I mean, her instructions were guidelines for how we were going to deliberate. And the first thing that she told us, she said, okay, when you get in the room, you will have lunch. There will be 12, there will be 12 lunches in there. That's when she told us who were the two alternates. And I was like, please, please, it's going to be me. And I started, you know, getting my stuff. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't the alternate. Juror number seven and juror number two were the alternates. And so they had to leave. So we all get up. And we go in, we go into the jury room. Now, mind you, okay, I'm the first one to go into the courtroom, and I'm the last one to leave the courtroom because I'm juror 14. So we go into the jury room, we say our goodbyes to jury, juror number two and juror number seven. And actually, I developed a friendship with um with juror number number seven. And I hope, you know, we're able to keep in contact with each other because. Um, she and I would, you know, we would go to lunch together and stuff throughout the entire trial. And we just got along. I, I mean, to be perfectly honest, all 14 of us got along. We got along great. Um, but I, I got to tell you, um, we were very happy that we were able to start deliberating after lunch on Friday, March 10th. And so we saw, so... First question that I asked, I said, okay, who's going to be the spokesman for the, the jury? Who's going to be the foreperson? And they were like, well, you are. And I was like, what? They're like, well, you are. And I was like, are y'all sure? And they're like, yeah, you are. I was like, okay. So then we start discussing the counts. And now, mind you, there were 11 counts of Medicare fraud. And each count was very specific on a certain day that a service was supposed to have been provided by the physician. And we had to deliberate on that. Now, I ain't going to go into everything, but I'm going to tell you this. There was one juror who sat up front um, in the jury box and he, you know, he was juror number three. He made it abundantly clear in the first day that the defendant was guilty. And I was like, oh God. I said, I hope he's an alternate, but he was not. 
It's like, anyway, whatever. He had already made up his mind. He already made up his mind. I mean, throughout the trial, he didn't really engage with us too much. Um, he always sat in the corner, like the rest of us would sit at the table, having conversations. Because like I said, we all got along. We, we really, we all got along. And the judge knew it because they could, you know, hear us laughing and stuff. And um, and so did, the, you know, the government and the defense attorneys. You know, they got, they, they kind of figured out. So we, we're deliberating. And we're like, okay, we're trying to get out of here by five before five o'clock. So we we go into, I had to read each count and we discussed it. I mean, mind you, there were some that had some concerns and they wanted to get some additional information. So we had a laptop and then we had all these um, CDs so we could look at spreadsheets um, and just go back into, you know, and we had the exhibits and stuff. And here's the thing. Now, the laptop didn't work. So I had to write a note to the judge. Now, this is all, I mean, like, and I had to sign it because I'm the four person. And I had to knock on the door to get the U.S. Marshal to come to the door. And he would knock on the door and I would open the door. And I would hand him the note. So we got, we had issues with the laptop because the whoever wrote the password, the login information, we couldn't even read it. So we got that taken care of. And then we were able to look at the spreadsheets and of the corresponding days, the dates of service that were supposed to have been performed that he had billed to Medicare. So there was one juror who was like, all right, I just need to see this particular date and I need to see how many, you know, procedures he billed to Medicare that day. And then we can go ahead and vote. Now, mind you, we had voted on uh, uh, like one or two counts earlier, but then we, we, we just, we put the other ones, the counts aside. So once this one juror saw what she needed to see, and I was like, all right, let's vote. So we voted on each count. It was 11 counts. And every count was unanimous. It was unanimous. So I had to fill out the official paper again to tell the judge that we had rendered a verdict and we were ready. So I did that, had to go, I'd knock on the door, and then I had to wait for the U.S. Marshal to knock back on the door, then I would open the door and I would give him the note. And then we sat in there and we waited. And we waited. Now, mind you, the deputy clerk said that everybody was, you know, they were still in the courthouse, but it took a little bit to get all them together. And I don't know why, but it did. And there was one juror who was getting impatient. So she, she decided that she was going to find out what was the holdup? And I was like, can you just please sit down? They will call us when they call us. Finally, they did. And I told everybody, I said, look, when we go in there, the defense, the judge may ask the defense to poll us. Would he like to poll us? And they were like, what do you mean? It's unanimous. I go, the judge will ask the defendant that. 
<clears throat> I said, I'm just preparing you. Well, no, it's, it's, it's unanimous. I said, I know that. I said, I'm just telling you, I'm just preparing you. So we walk in. Now, mind you, I'm the first one that goes into the courtroom and everybody stands. That was one thing that I loved because I ain't going to lie. Some of my friends will tell you I am a control freak. I am. I, I, I try to relinquish. I do, but I do like to be in control. That That's just my nature. I do relinquish control on occasion. Um, but yeah, but I really liked, you know, I really loved that part. So anyway, get in. Um, and I look at the defendant and, okay, the judge, thank, you know, and she says, you know, we understand that you've rendered a, a verdict. And then we started with count one said guilty. And I kept looking at the defense and the defendant. And there were sometimes like, I, I wasn't, a, um, I was saying guilty before the judge finished saying the count. And I was like, Crystal, slow your roll, slow your roll. So I did, but we found him guilty. All, all 11 counts. And I, and I looked at him, I looked him dead in the eye. He wouldn't even look at me. I was like, whatever. <clears throat> the judge thanked us for our service. But before she did that, she asked the defense would you like to pull the jury? And I was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh-huh, what I tell you, what I tell you? We go back into the jury room, and I said, didn't I tell you? They're like, oh, my God, you were right, you were right. I was like, yeah. I was like, I was like, why am I going to lie to you? I said, I wanted to prepare y'all. And they were like, oh, so we're all exchanging numbers and whatever, and then we go out to Capitol Grill and drink, and I bring my butt home. And so one thing that I would tell you about the experience is this, like before all of us left, there were a few jurors that said, you know, we would only do this if all of us could, could be in the same jury box together. Now that's not going to happen, but that was very sweet of that juror to say that. Um, I'm not going to lie. I was not happy in the beginning. I whinged. Monday night, because um, I had dinner with my chosen family, and I was whinging and whining. And then I was like, it is what it is, and just deal with it. It was a pain in the butt getting in and out of the pretty men um, courthouse, federal courthouse. Um, but I think overall, the experience was a pleasant experience, and I'm glad that I did it. Um, I'm amazed that I was chosen for a person. But a lot of my friends and family were not go figure. One other thing is, um, is you get paid. Well, if you work for the government, you don't get paid. You do not get paid. <coughs> um, but if you, like I said, if you federal and DC government employees, y'all only get $7 per day. Jurors not employed by the federal or D.C. government, $57 a day. And, you know, that's the maximum payment the court issues, $57. We will be getting a check uh, in a couple of weeks. Um, I don't know. They said a couple of weeks. And I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. I want my money. Not going to lie, I want my money. They said uh, payment for jury uh, services mailed to your home within two to three weeks after your service is completed. Also, you can get an attendance report. You can get an attendance 
um, report. I tried to go online to get my attendance report. It didn't, it wouldn't let me log in. But look, like I said, I mean, there were some fun moments. Like every time we had to go into the courtroom, we had to line up. I was juror number 14 and the deputy clerk would like bang on the door and announce that the jury is coming in. All rise. This is what I would always say. All right. Because this is what the deputy clerk would tell us. He was like, all right, we're going to do this by quarters. And he was like, all right, well, you know, first quarter. And I would tell my jurors, all right, let's have a good first quarter. <clears throat> and I would say that every, you know, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter. I enjoyed that. One of the other things that I will tell you, since we were able to go home, I was able to go into the office Monday and Tuesday. But after that, I wasn't. Um, Cause we were just knee deep in the trial, but I was able to go in the office and for a couple of hours to get some work done. And I'm glad I did that. And my, my boss was glad that I was able to do that as well. <clears throat> but you know, each trial is different. One thing that I will tell you, uh, the courtroom and next to ours in the courthouse, it was yeah, the trial that was going on was a January 6th insurrection trial. And I wanted to sit in, but I was just too damn tired. But one of my um, fellow jurors, he did go in and watch some of the proceedings. We did see a lot of Metropolitan Police officers and U.S. Capitol Police officers. I really hope that, you know, they continue to find those that try to overthrow our government and our democracy. Um, they're insurrectionists and they're traitors. And I hope that we're not finished finding out who else who are still sitting members of Congress who were involved in January 6, 2021 insurrection because y'all traitors and under the constitution sedition and insurrection you traitors anyway I just thought that I would tell y'all about that because um, I gotta tell you at the very end, you know, of the um, when we when they finish closing arguments, you know, the judge, you know, she determines, she determined the appropriate law that would be applied to that case that we were doing, um, and the and the facts, and she basically would tell us like the jury finds uh, the facts in the case based on what is presented to them during the proceedings, and at the end of the trial, the judge she instructed us on the applicable law. And while the, you know, we had to obey, we, we, you know, her instructions as to the law, the jury alone was responsible for determining the facts of the case. And we were able to do that in a couple of hours. Like I said, you know, I mean, it was, it was a good experience. It was a good experience. Um, I'm glad I was finally impaneled in uh, on a jury and went through a, a criminal trial. I don't think I could have withstood anything worse than Medicare fraud, because I think I'd have lost my mind. Um, but I want y'all to just, I only have like two um, sources for this episode. The Handbook for Trial Jurors Serving in the United States District Courts, and then the United States Courts Jury Service. 
I really hope that you found this episode informative, a little entertaining, because I wanted to give my real perspective on this. And I'm not going to lie. Everybody knew I was going to do this episode. I told everybody in the jury, my fellow jurors, that I was going to do it. <coughs> but look, I'm glad I did it. So I just want to say to y'all, thank you for listening to me and allowing me to share my uh, knowledge and love of politics and particularly sharing with you my personal journey through the U.S. District Court of the District of Columbia. Thank you for listening. And I hope that you will tune in to Topless Government, the government and politics show that blows the top off how your government works. <laughs>